two objects cannot occupy the same point in space at the same moment in time. The corner races at you. You have perhaps a crisis of identity. Am I a sportsman? Or a competitor? If you get into one of my cars, you get in the wind. Slow. And so? You're going broke. How? You spend more than you made. So what do I do? Win the Mille Milla, Enzo. Or you are out of business. This is a gun pointed at our head. You should assign me control of your stock. I have to have all the cards in my hand. Well, half the cards are in my hand. All of us are racers. Your deadly passion. Our terrible joy. No one did believe me back. How can I stay with? If Anthony is looking for a scapegoat, then here I am. You were supposed to save him. You promised me he wouldn't die. The father deluded himself. Two objects cannot occupy the same point in space at the same moment in time. Wenzel. Go beat the hell out of them. For as long as I can remember, I've had a fascination with racing. And I'm going to share a story that barely seems believable. Jensen Button crosses the line, takes the checkered flag. How do you feel? <laughs> it's really amazing. Only one team in their debut race in the history of the sport have been able to get pole position and then go on to win. This is the story of Braun GP. Why do people say that you were the one-pound Formula One team? I gave a pound to the Honda executive. Allow us to buy the team to keep the team alive. This is the only option we've got on the table. It's this, or the team gets shut down. Can you do this? Yes. Best way to become unpopular very quickly is to start winning. We're a team that's come from nowhere. No one expected us to be here. They went too far. There was something against the rules. This was the start of the war. This team that everybody just wanted to survive is killing us. I'm going to win the championship. The knives are out and they were after us. You either push the limit or you're nothing. We push the limit. People believe in him because he looks innocent. Yet really behind the scenes, smiling assassin. I think you're all smiling assassins. <laughs> scary time. This is about survival. Formula One, once it gets into your blood, it'll never let go. Do you feel like Ross Braun was the luckiest guy in the world, or do you think he was really clever?
Hi, I'm Ryan Blaney, a third generation race car driver. And we dedicate a lot of our time to going as fast as possible. But when my grandpa was diagnosed with Alzheimer's, it was a very unexpected bump in the road for us. It's important to notice if older family members are acting differently, experiencing problems with their memory, or having trouble with routine tasks. Early detection of Alzheimer's can give your family time to explore support services, make a plan for the future, and access available treatments. If you or your family are noticing changes, it could be Alzheimer's. Talk about seeing a doctor together. Hey guys, this is Matt Hagen, three-time funny car world champion, and you're watching Draft in the Circus. And Iowa's starting to separate a 19-point lead. Knocked away, Marshall, Clark, to the rim. An 11-0 Iowa run. As one of the arena cameramen got hit there after the bucket and the official stopped play. Right here, this is Caitlin Clark all on her own, jumping out to double team. She sensed that she could get the steals, that she could create some havoc, and she did and got the layup the other way. Let's go. <laughs> Gabby Marshall approves. Good evening, race fans. Welcome to the Hoobazoo Radio Network and welcome to Drafting the Circuits, brought to you by Sinister One Productions. My name is Frank Santoroski. I'll be your host for the next hour as we do our 2023 in review show. Joining me, I've got uh, Levi and Richard Uden. How are we doing, fellas? Doing good. It is good to be back, fellas. I missed y'all. Oh, yeah, I know, right? Yeah, where you been? You know, the guy that's here less than you is Louise. And speaking of Louise, you may wonder why did we have a clip from the women's elite eight basketball game to lead off our motorsports show. Well, simply put, I mean, if you notice the cameraman that got clocked there uh, was our own Luis Torres. Um, you know, when he's off on assignment, this is one of his assignments. He does. He's the cameraman in that, in that venue when he's not out, uh, fo- you know, photo photographing uh, <laughs> hockey games and, and baseball games. Right. So, 
But uh, I just thought, you know, for our most compelling moments in 2023, uh, Louise getting beat up by a girl is right up there. So and he's not here to defend himself, which makes it even more fun. But Louise, um, we miss you, buddy, again. And thanks also yeah. for, for your sponsorship of the show. Um, Louise Torres Multimedia, check him out. Uh, also, thanks to the uh, Ferrari film and the Alzheimer's Association. So, but uh, before we get into the review of 2023, um, Formula One wrapped up this past weekend. We had a couple of other championships decided this past weekend. Uh, Brody Kostecki won uh, Australian Supercars. Uh, Theo, mm-hmm. um, oh, what's his last name? I just looked it up. Won a Formula Porcher. Two. Porcher. Theo Porcher won the Formula Two championship. Uh, although I don't know where he's going to land because uh, uh, there's going to be very few changes in Formula One next year. The only well, just not spoil my bit, Frank. Okay, let's, all, all right. Okay, all right, all right. So, um, read so, my notes. So, so, so the big, so the big news uh, that nobody expected was that Max Verstappen went ahead and won the championship. Uh, I mean, it was a long shot, yep. but but he got it done. He got it done. So, the, and they'll Ron Howard will make a movie about this one day. Um, so, I want to know. I want to know how a sports podcast a racing podcast not one of us picked max verstappen to win a race this entire season like what are we sleeping on the job here we pick everybody be, but him be, because we picked second place all year remember oh we, that's right because we, yeah, we decided right. max was going to win all the races so uh anyway uh, I've, I've got i've got a list of records that max um uh, assigned his name to this year, and uh, Keith got some graphics and some photos. He's gonna scroll by here uh, while I go over this list. It's a pretty lengthy list. What he's accomplished just this season: highest percentage of wins in the season, most wins in the season, most points in the season, most consecutive wins, most podiums in a single season, highest percentage of laps led in the season, the only driver ever to lead one thousand laps in a season. Highest percentage of laps led in the season. Most consecutive wins from pole. Most total wins from pole in a season. Biggest points gap between first and second. Most consecutive races as the championship leader. Most consecutive point scoring finishes. Most hat tricks. Most consecutive top two finishes. Here's an interesting one. The most pit stops by a driver in a single race to still win. I found that one to be interesting. And the only driver to win three times in the same country in the same season. So, uh, you know, by the time by the time Max is done with Formula One, there's going to be very few records uh, that don't have his uh, name on them. Mind you, he's still he's a little over halfway there to um, number one on the all-time win list. But uh, I would say his career is less than half over. He's still got plenty of good years. Uh, left to go. So, uh, Richard, uh, you also did some number crunching. Uh, yeah, you, you have some stuff you'd like to share with us. So, I'm gonna turn yeah. it over to you, sir. Thank you. So, um, every week post race, um, the motorsport.com, which is probably one of the largest, um, motorsport publications in the world, you know, that they, they encompass the autosport, um, website and journalists and, um, you know, a couple of the guys that have been on the show in the past have written a few articles for them. So it's, it's a great website for all forms of, mo- forms of motorsport. But it's, it's pretty, it's high up there on the Formula One scale. And they do a, a driver rating poll. Um, they give 
the editors give a rating for their each driver for each race and also the the readers of the website can put in their own um ratings and, and normally it comes out pretty close within a within a point or two so throughout the year because i've got nothing else better to do with my time uh, i sort of collate all those values and run a little bit of analysis on those numbers at the end of the season and some of it makes for pretty interesting reading and also i think it backs up a lot of the um assumptions and observations that most of them most of us have been making throughout the season so not surprisingly the driver with the highest average rating throughout the year was Lando Norris no sorry Max Verstappen um <laughs> Lando actually came, Lando actually came in second Lando was second on the wow. average Lando did have a good year yeah um, Alonso was third Leclerc four uh Hamilton fifth Russell sixth so there's the, the, the usual suspects up there that you'd expect. But I think the, one of the most interesting ones was when you compared the average point score between teammates. And I think there's been, I, I must admit, sorry, I mentioned it, I didn't include Alpha Tower in here because they swapped drivers throughout the season. So I've only looked at 19 drivers here and nine of the teams I haven't looked at Alpha Tower because they did do a driver swap. So if you look at the, the nine teams that I, I analysed, the three teams with the biggest differential between the two drivers are probably the three teams with the, sec- the the worst driver of the two having the most question marks against them. In Red Bull with Perez and Verstappen, uh, Williams with Sargent against Albon, and um, Aston Martin with Stroll against Alonso. And it was Perez to Verstappen was the biggest delta. Then... Uh, Williams and then Aston and you know throughout the season those especially well with Perez pretty much the second five uh, second 20 races pretty much he had half a dozen good races at the start but pretty much after that post Miami Perez has been on the chopping block I think and those three guys we've always talked about as being the ones you know in danger and the opinions and the statistics tend to back that up um Perez, on the average score, ranked 12th of the averages, but yet finished second in the championship. So there was a 10-place delta between his his average rank rating per race and his actual points finish. Um, the guys that had the best results on that scale were actually Albon and Ocon uh, and Norris. They all ranked four places higher than they actually finished in the championship. So there's some really interesting numbers there, but it does highlight... You know what we've been saying. Perez, Sargent, and Stroll are in danger, or not in danger, but have struggled against their teammates, respectively. So let me ask you this real quick: while you're on the subject of performance uh, uh, against your own teammate, which teammates uh, were the most evenly matched with one another? On Very your good list question. There? Grab my notebook here. The Alpha Tauri guys. No, sorry, uh, Alpha and Rayo, uh, Bottas and Joe, both. Pretty crap in reality. Not great. The Mercedes guys were pretty close. Hamilton and Russell, and yep. you know, they were pretty close. Uh, as were the Alpine guys as well. Ocon and uh, Gasly, pretty close there. But um, you know, outside of that is the spreads that you'd you'd expect to see. So those are the guys that were pretty close, yeah. But the, thank you, thank you. But but the next stage of what I wanted to discuss here. Was you mentioned uh, a little bit earlier there, Frank? 
Theo Pocher won the Formula 2 championship. Nowhere near a Formula 1 drive. Drugovic, nowhere near a Formula 1 drive. Um, you look at the, the champions, I, I don't have the list of champions of Formula 2 from the last few years, but a lot of them, you know, Mick Schumacher, nowhere near it. Um, Schwartzman, I don't think he won the championship, but again, nowhere near. Carl Mylott had a really good finish. You know, IndyCar now. Um, you know, look, look, a few of them have won, you know, a few of the current F1 grid have won championships, but I think definitely in the last three or four years, the value of Formula 2 has started to wane a little bit. Um, and they're picking drivers more through their rank, through their young driver development program or for financial reasons um, than they are for, um, you know, their Formula 2 performances. And it's, it's sort of starting to, in my mind, question a little bit of where Formula 2 sits. Yeah, it's a great breeding ground because you do have a lot of guys coming through, but does success ne- necessarily deliver a guaranteed Formula Formula One seat? It, it doesn't really, and and I think fundamentally, you know, that's a flawed concept in a way. Um, you know, something's not quite right with that because these guys are working their asses off to win championships, and basically they become a test driver. Um, you know, the one that's probably closest to getting a drive and probably would do if Lance Stroll's dad didn't earn the team would be Drogovic. You imagine he would at least be given a shot in there. There was talk of Drogovic going to Williams to replace Sargent again to be, you know, but do Williams want to be loaning drivers? You know, Williams have made great progress in the last couple of years. And yeah, in the past, they probably would have loaned a driver off somebody, but they're like they did with George Russell. He was a Mercedes uh, driver and they loaned him for three seasons. But you know, they're probably looking to understand on their own two feet. They've got their own young development program now. Logan Sargent, I think he finished sixth, was it, in the Formula 2 championship? He just scraped a super license. Yeah, and yeah, I think arguably, fifth, actually, yeah. I yeah, believe. arguably, yeah. shown this year by a relatively poor performance compared to his teammate. Now, if they'd had somebody on par with Albon, they probably still wouldn't have caught Alpine in the championship uh, and finished sixth. They, Williams were, to my mind, the success story of the season. Um, to, to finish seventh in the championship with with what James Vowles did there um, and a lot of other people as well. But obviously he's the figurehead. He's the guy that's been bought in and he's done, to my mind, a fantastic job there. But it's been it's really interesting season. And if they do keep Sargent, I think this is probably the first season or two seasons where the drivers that finish the, the final race of season A, they all start with the same car and the same team in season B. Uh, I don't think it's ever happened before. There's always been some drivers move. And I don't think we're seeing that this winter, which is it, it's pretty surreal in a way that uh, they've, they've le- reached that level of A, consistency, and B, lack of talent coming through to take up some of those seats. Because you could argue that some of those guys out there probably don't deserve is the wrong word. Every Formula 1 driver deserves their seat. But there's other guys that, you know, there's there's guys out there that have done their time maybe not been as successful as someone would have wanted. Now it's the cutthroat world. It's like an NFL quarterback. You know, there's only 32 quarterbacks in the league. Even the guy that's a backup is still pretty damn good, but he's just not good enough. And he's had his opportunity. And now it's time for somebody else to step up. And I think you're starting to see that with a handful of drivers uh, in Formula One now that are hanging around, maybe starting to get a little bit past their sell-by date. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, uh, but you know, you can almost say the same thing when it comes to junior series about uh, like Indie NXT. <laughs> I mean, Indie, Indie yeah. next, you've got uh, several guys that have come and move up. Indie card just been unsuccessful. Now, now, mind yeah. you, there's yeah. a handful of them that, that have done great. You know, Colton Hurd, a pot of award. Uh, mm-hmm. Guys like that, uh, we're still up in the air to see how uh, Linus Lundqvist does and how uh, Dave Belukas's career pans out. But uh, I mean, you know, the racing landscape is one races. Yeah, the, yeah, um, Kyle Kirkwood, yeah, absolutely, he's winning yeah. races. Um, but there's, you know, but there's tons of guys, you know, your Oliver Askews and uh, Spencer Piggott and, and all those guys who, who came and went, you know, Ed Jones, you know. So, and even if you look at NASCAR, you know, the guys winning the Xfinity Championship more often than not end up staying in Xfinity, you yeah. know, um, yeah. uh, for for a career. You know, it's it's a big step to the big leagues, uh, I guess, in any race series. So. And it's almost like a lot of these guys that do come through are picked before they get to Formula 2 or they bypass Formula 2. I mean, Verstappen, okay, he's a freak of nature, that guy, to <laughs> in, the kindest, in the kindest possible terms. But he never did Formula 2 or GP2 as it was back probably when he was around there. You know, he just went straight into Formula 1 from Formula 3. Um, Verstappen was the same. Oh, not Verstappen, sorry. Um, Vettel was the same. He never did Formula 2. Um, and, and both those guys are absolutely exceptional drivers. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, Hamilton so, did, but, but he I guess won the championship in his first year. I guess it's like skipping the fifth grade when you're in school. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, or, or, you're not, so, or you know, not com- not completing college and going straight into a draft for yeah, yeah, know, one of the one of the, the major the, the, So LeBron James kind of thing there. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Uh, so it's it. You know, I mean, these series are great. They're entertaining. There's some really really high quality racing in there, um, but it's it's got to have its value. At some point, it's going to start to lose that, um, you know, NASCAR used that tagline, the, where names are made or something along those lines. And yeah, yeah, you know, a lot of the guys that you do see in the Cup Series now do come through the Xfinity Series, but performance in the Xfinity Series doesn't necessarily guarantee performance or a top drive in the Cup team. And it's almost like these guys, as I said, are picked before they get to that level. You know, when in the NASCAR world, when they're in, when they're in the Arca series or the Truck series, you know their careers mapped out, and it doesn't really matter what they do in Xfinity; they'll, excuse me, get a cup ride at some point. Yeah, they'll end up where they whatever the plan is. So, all yeah. right, so Lee, you're being quiet over there. So I'm, so, I'm just sucking in all the numbers here. I, you know, <laughs> I do. I'm a numbers guy. It's just the it's I, the science behind it all fascinates me. I, I. Listening to the numbers, it's phenomenal what Max has done this yeah. year in the Red Bull team. And you, you said, you know, Max is still young in his career, and he is. And I, I think the only thing that's going to stop Max from, you know, dominating for the next decade is Max himself and the team at Red Bull. If yeah, Red Bull I, I think I think if, if Red Bull gets the 2026 regulations wrong and, and somebody yeah. like, like a McLaren or Mercedes – uh, steps right. up, or, or even Ferrari gets it right. It's gonna even so like look how look how uh, quickly Hamilton went from being a consistent winner to he's what uh, two years plus since uh, since he's had his top step on a podium. You know, yeah. and again, and Mercedes still has a very good fast car. And they're just just the gap between no. them and yeah. them and them and Red Bull uh, is is incredible. So it doesn't take much. Uh, for somebody to catch Red Bull, because you know, mind you, everybody's looking yep. what they're doing. So, but Lee, my question yep. to you was: Did you get a chance to watch uh, the Vegas race? 
because there's a lot, of, <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of a lot of negativity surrounding this one going in. But I, I've got to say, uh, uh, they put on a pretty entertaining show. It was it was okay. So the entertainment value was fantastic. The racing I thought was fantastic. It's some of the sportiest racing I've seen in F1 all season. Um, I think personally, F1 swung and missed for the fences big time here. Um, I'm friends with a lot of like true diehard F1 guys, like guys that travel to Europe and stuff to see races. And I asked them about Vegas and they were like, no, why do I want to go to Vegas when I can go to Italy or Monaco or Silverstone for half the price to get into Vegas? I mean, Vegas was a big media publication blitz, but I think F1 missed the mark reaching the true fans. I mean, you know, because the average guy, I can't afford to go. I can't afford to go there. Um, You know, I I couldn't afford a ticket. I don't know if you, many average people that could. So, yeah, that's where I think F1 missed the mark. Yeah, yeah, they, 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 you put a sour taste in a lot of people's mouth, but as far as the race itself, I thought they did. Uh, it was uh, yeah. the, the track ran a lot better than I than I felt it would. Especially when, you found, when they the, found somebody that could uh, weld a manhole cover. It yes, yes, it, yeah. After, 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 yeah, after the initial, that's a initial funny troubles. story. That's a funny I mean, story because the civil engineers. I I I talked to a couple of people in the civil civil engineers in Vegas in Clark County had signed off that all the manholes were secured. They were either tack welded in place or that particular manhole cover, the water cover was a screw in. And they, they, they signed the report. It says all were secure. Well, they were securing Not them. The one secure. No, well, listen, the other thing is they were securing them during the daytime when it was yep. hot and the metal was expanding. Ah, they didn't the take shrink. into consideration at night that metal contracts and they become loose. And that's exactly what happened. That, you know, I, it's been controversy, but I, I read the report and then they said, well, you know, the, they did it at the daytime. They did it at like two in the afternoon. The race wasn't run until 10 o'clock at night. Big temperature change there. Yeah. So, yeah. Yep. I did, I, right. You know, whoever gets it, gets it. <laughs> <laughs> Carlos Sainz got it. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Sure so, did. so we went. Uh, so, uh, so Max won Vegas. Surprise, right? Mm-hmm. And then yep. we went to Abu Dhabi, Abu Dhabi last week. Richard, what do you think of uh, Abu Dhabi? Yeah, it wasn't a bad race. I mean, it, it's always a strange sort of race, especially when there's no championship on the title, because it's like the last day of high school, you know, it's like, yeah, uh, you know, and, and there was a little bit of like posturing going on in the background for like second and third and fourth and fifth and championship or whatever it was. But it was it was all a little bit, uh, um, <laughs> to put it mildly. Um and you know, twenty-two race seasons are great. Or it should have been twenty-three. Twenty, twenty-two, twenty-three race seasons are great. Next year we've was, got twenty-four. It was twenty-three this year, wasn't it? No, we lost was, Mala, Imola. Yeah, it was supposed to be yeah, twenty-four. For the right? Yeah, but, oh, no, oh, that's, and China. That's right. We lost two of them this year. You're right. You're yeah. right. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, and you know, it was almost like, uh, yeah, okay, here we go. Just, oh, well, woo, Max won. Yeah, do a few burnouts. Well, okay, let's go. You know, it, it sort of lost that impetus and that um, sort of sharpness a little bit, I think, which was a bit of a shame. Um, but I thought there was some good racing out there. You know, Abu Dhabi's been considered for a while now as a 
a track that haven't been they haven't been able to overtake at. But they've made some changes to the circuit layout, and um, I think it's helped considerably. And uh, you know, there's some good moves out there. Um, you know, some guys didn't cover yeah. themselves in glory. Perez had a bit of a brain fart and managed to crash into Norris when Norris was trying to let him through, which was just dumb. Yeah, yeah, big surprise. Um, yeah, Perez having a brain and then, fart. Then Perez got all petulant like a little kid on the fo- on the on the phone on the radio and started criticizing the steward, which is a great career move. Um, but, <laughs> hey. um yeah, so you know, it all wrapped up. Vegas was great, you know, that the race is as Lee said, the racing at Vegas was great, the show was terrible. Um you know, the, the, the racing at um, Abu Dhabi was pretty good. The show was meh. You know, we just we just lost enthusiasm, enthusiasm a little bit for it. But I, yeah, think, I think that that's a symptom of having a season that's it's a little too long. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And especially uh, you, when, you you know, know, if it was close and it was, you know, battling backwards and forwards and, you know, the championship went down to the last race. Great. Bring it on. Have as many races as you want. Um, but yeah, with, with Max having won it in June or whenever he did, you know, it, it just lost it. Those last... You know, last half dozen races were, were just a little bit of a you know processional and going through the motions for some of the teams. And um, you know, the fact that Red Bull put so much, so little effort into those last few races and still won them all was, I know, it was pretty impressive. De- really. de- demoralizing for the rest of the field, yeah. I tell you. Yeah. Um, but I think that you know the Vegas race. I know we didn't have a show last week to discuss the Vegas race, but the Vegas race for me highlighted one of the issues in one of the areas that Formula One has to be very, very careful about. One of the things that I enjoy most on um, the race weekends, or actually, you know, on the on the TV coverage, is the grid walk that Martin Brundle does, you know, 15, 20 minutes before the start of the race. This guy knows everybody in the, on, in the paddock, on the grid. And, you know, sometimes they get some celebrities down there. Other times he's talking to drivers, he's talking to team principals, he's talking to engineers, he's talking to these sort of people. And, you know, okay, as an engineer, I'm biased. I do find the discussions with the engineers and the, the, the people involved in the sport more interesting. But sometimes, you know, he gets these celebrities and they're just, like, don't have a clue. I mean, that, put it bluntly, the arsehole that he had at um, Brazil, what was his name? Ah, <sighs> Yeah, who just yeah. like blanked him or just was, you know, just, just, just go away. You know, I'd rather you go into the crowd and interview a spectator than that piece of shit who was at the race. I'm sorry. <laughs> and he left halfway through the race as well. You know, this guy, I don't know what he was. It was like he was some musician guy who, like, whatever, you know, waste of space. I'd rather than turn around and have. You know, if say there's 50 celebrities on the grid, give 50 random fans grid access, you know, before the race and interview them and get people's yeah. real, in, you know, interaction. The people who are enthusiastic about the sport, who are passionate about it, and not some guy like, yeah, I'm here for, you know, whatever, you know, Simon Leclerc or whatever. It's like, what? <laughs> yeah. you know. Who was the one? It was, a, was I think it was at uh, at Austin a couple years ago. Was it Megan the Stallion? She had her uh, her her bodyguards kind of trying to rough up Brundle a little bit. Tell him, yeah, tell him to get away know, from just, her. Yeah, so I'm like, okay, you know, you're 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 on the, you're on their turf, Megan. You exactly. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Let let the man no do his, time for let it. Let the man do his job. Yes. Yeah, so. No time for that crap at all. No time for it at all. Let you know. And and I think Formula One is in danger of going too far in that way. Yeah, it's great to see. Hey, look, 
if you've got a celebrity there who's interested in the sport, who goes to the races, who knows what they're talking about, fantastic. I mean, there's guys like Gordon Ramsay. He loves his Formula One. Oh, yeah. He's half a dozen races a year. And whenever Martin Brundle interviews him on the grid, he's informative. He knows what he's talking about. He can have a good relate, yeah. you know, good conversation about it. Fantastic. Don't have a problem with that. When you get who was there? The um um Shaquille O'Neal. For the for a start, you know, Martin Brundle was interviewing his nipples basically. Um, <laughs> and you know, he doesn't have a clue what he's talking about. What's the point? What is the point? It makes him look an idiot. It devalues yeah. the, the the entertainment. You know, just don't do it. Formula One has got to be so careful, I think. So, so careful. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, all right. So, uh, we're uh, doing some uh, young driver evaluation testing uh, uh, out there in uh, Abu Dhabi and tire testing yep. as well over the next couple of days. Uh, uh, so far, uh, George Russell has uh, wrecked a car, um, which I guess, I mean, it's uh, your last use it of the broke, 20. I think. Yeah, <laughs> your last use yeah. of the 2023 car might as well just see how fast you can get that thing going and yep. still, still hold on to it. So, uh, but you got, I want to say it was uh, Ocon was fastest, uh, yep. over the, over the, the two sessions. Um, kind of a ward out um, there really had a good time. Was, uh, in, yep. the, in the McLaren, he said he really, really enjoyed driving the car for that simple fact that he was able to because when he did the free practice one earlier in the year, you know, he had to be real careful to. Yeah, not 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 wreck the car, not have anything yeah. break before he you know turned it back over to Lando Norris. But here again, you know, last use of the twenty twenty three car, see what it does, man. You know, so uh, he uh, he really enjoyed himself there. So uh, yeah, so uh, Formula One off for a couple of months, and then we're on to another long season next year. Um, uh, you know, full twenty four races, hopefully. Hopefully, yeah, you never know. So. Oh. I mean, we've uh, had at least one race canceled every year since 19, right? At least yeah. one. Yeah, since uh, since the COVID stuff started uh, wreaking havoc with everybody, uh, yep. in, uh, yeah, not just in sports, but uh, yeah, all kind of industry. So, so Lee, let's go over um, NHRA uh, 2023. Um, Richard and I did our best to, to bring, bring <laughs> you the, 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 the results from uh, – from the uh, the finals there, but uh, again, you know, you're our expert there, and we uh, we did our best. You know, we did did our homework, and so uh, you guys did good. Yeah, so uh, so uh, again, Fluffery so will get you nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> so so again, you I don't understand this stuff. <laughs> yeah, so so again, we talked about it. it's a, kind of a bit of a transitional season for. Uh, NHRA as they, they they just yep. absolutely lost a couple tracks this year that they haven't really had time to think about replacing yet. Uh, they lost, uh, they had to move one event due to weather. Um, yep, New Hampshire. Yep, New Hampshire, the one you wanted to go to. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah that's your luck. They had New Hampshire yep. Nationals in Tennessee. So, I mean, you know, if you want to try to figure out the logistics of that, go ahead. But, uh, Lee, let's uh, run down some of the highlights of the, uh, 2023 season, and I know certainly uh, Matt Hagen is on your list. Of course, I mean he's the four-time champ. You can't uh, you can't devalue what he did this season. Um, you know he is honestly he's a show favorite. He's but he's other than that he's just consistent. He goes out there and he just gets the job done. He uh, you know he 
he gets the consistent bracket wins and then that pushes him on deeper into the, into the rounds and he ends up winning those. And then, you know, he gets number four, uh, which is, you know, really good. I think um, if he keeps it up and with uh, the team backing, he'll probably see a couple more out of Tony Stewart racing. Um, Leah, his teammate, she had a, you know, an awesome outstanding year as well. Um, I just, I'm looking forward to seeing where that team is going. There's, you know, see where Tony goes. Is he going to step up to, to the top alcohol class? Um, the other one that is a surprise talk this season around the pits was uh, Angel Sampe. She is a uh, former pro stock motorcycle rider. Um, she was teammates with Antron Brown uh, on the U.S. Army team, uh, Schumacher team, and they. Uh, she's stepped up and gotten her top fuel class. So our uh, top alcohol license in the, uh, the last half of the season this year. So see if she steps up and comes up to the, to the, you know, the top alcohol classes, uh, going to be a fun off season. I think, um, safety wise, car wise, I think we're right in the groove. There's not going to be many changes, a uh, couple minor tweaks here and there from what I saw the track situation. Um, like you said, I think we lost three, four this year. Um, I don't know what NHRA is going to do to replace those. I don't think there's really any plans right now. Um, but we could step up. We could go, you know, we could do back-to-back -back races like we do in NASCAR, um, visit two tracks at one, you know, in a single year. Now, do, they, do, do they ever do like a, like a doubleheader? I, 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 know. I, know, I know they did the one in Bristol, but that was right. an odd situation. Right. But that, that would be one way to – Kind of, uh, you know, extend the amount of uh, points getting opportunities. That's correct. You know, and they do. Uh, I think Vegas and Charlotte are really like the only two that they have visited twice, uh, with the exception of Bristol. And I, th I do. I think it is an opportunity to, uh, you know, put these tracks kind of far apart on the schedule like NASCAR does. Um, so you, you get some spring races there and you get some fall races there. You get different tracks conditions which really might be helpful uh, you know and it you know good points events uh, i think are gonna are gonna be a must for this upcoming season whether they shorten the season or they just double up on a couple races throughout the season uh that's going to be part of the off season right right and then of course new title sponsor in there in the form of mission foods so that's yep. exciting hey, yep they did a really good job with their uh Taste to Chase this year, two Taste to Chase uh, kind of co-sponsorship thing. They ran kind of like a side little race um, that really seemed to work out. It was it, the fans really enjoyed it. So uh, glad that they're stepping up to a prime, you know, prime sponsorship uh, with the circuit. I think it's going to bring in a lot of diversity to the sport. A lot of people that uh, may not have, be accustomed to seeing or getting to experience the sport. Are going to have that opportunity now, and I think that's real. I think that's really going to grow the sport. So, yeah, yeah. So, and again, uh, you know, Mission. I've seen what they've done in their, you know, minor sponsorships at IndyCar. They've got uh, they've got great yep. active. They've got great uh, sponsor activation events uh, that they have going on at the IndyCar race. So, I imagine they'll do some very similar stuff with the NHRA. So, so good yeah. on them. All right. So, uh, we're uh, when did we start up the season? March. Yeah, it'd be just uh, uh, mid-March is when the Gator Nationals roll around. Uh, that's our Daytona, you know, uh, yep. another floor kick off the season in Florida. So um, 
mid-March. Um, I think the schedule gets released just before Christmas. Um, so we got a couple more weeks before they release the finalized schedule. Um, yeah, but figure out everything you're going to do. Yeah. So, all right. Fantastic. So let's, uh, let's talk about what's shaking in IndyCar. So, uh, again, as I look back at 2023, I think he's still, uh, you know, the most compelling story there is, um, you know, the Alex Blue contract drama, which there's been more news on that this week. Um, as Palou, uh, has made some statements and stuff and, and filed some court documents where he, he admits to breaching the contract. He says, yes, yes, I'm in breach of contract. Uh, but what he's disputing is the fact that, um, the McLaren says he owes them $23 million, which is uh, kind of ridiculous. And if you kind of like, you know, read through some of the articles that have been written and what McLaren is seeking uh, damages for, a lot of it is like hypothetical, you know, they're, 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 and Palou's biggest reason for breaching the contract is uh, it seemed like he said they, they overstated uh, what his chances would be to actually become a Formula One driver. They dangled the carrot that, that basically didn't exist. Uh, but yep. McLaren's wanting money for uh, future sponsorship agreements, um, potentially loss of prize money, uh, you know, things that you don't know would materialize or not. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, I can understand them wanting their maybe money back for using the sim. Definitely the $400,000 uh, they paid him in advance money. Uh, yeah, he's got all the mat, but uh, this this boosting the number up to uh, you know twenty three million, I think, is just uh, you know let's uh, you know it's like when we're gonna bargain, let's start high and you start low, and we'll meet in the middle somewhere. So it's it's you know for the lawyers to decide. Uh, but at the end of the day, I I feel like you know Palou was there where he needed to be with Ganassi. I, I'm not sure how he. Uh, was dazzled by the McLaren bullshit, but um, he was <laughs> he was dazzled, dazzled by bullshit. And how um, do you <laughs> bullshit? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, not, not that that McLaren ride is a bad ride. I mean, you know, no, 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 now no, no, no. mind you, they they didn't win this year, but uh, but but they're competitive. They're up there. You know what I mean? And and they, uh, you know, Pato's won. I think three races with the team, and they they've they've got the potential to win. And they certainly have the resources, but, um, you know, I think once, uh, blue, you know, got the, uh, stars out of his eyes and realized, uh, Chip Ganassi was probably a better move for him to stay there, which, uh, you know, the fact that he won the championship kind of solidifies that there too, you know, so he's won two championships in three years with Chip Ganassi. So, uh, uh you know, hard to, uh, hard to make a better argument than, um, than that, right? I mean, you know, why does Scott Dixon stay with Chip Ganassi year after year after year when people have offered him big money to leave? Well, because because yeah. all he does with Chip Ganassi is win championships, you know? So, plus he feels at home. You know, he's been there for... Uh, that's one of the longest driver team pairings in, in motorsport. You figure Dixon is... Mm -hmm. uh, he 2003 or 2002, I think, is when he first was running with Ganassi and Kart. So he's he's 20 years. He's two decades uh, as a Ganassi guy. So uh, if that doesn't tell you something about what they're offering uh, somebody who's one of the finest drivers in the series that could go anywhere he wants and decides to stay there, that tells you something. So, uh, I mean, otherwise, there's for next year. Um, 
they're still talking about a possible non-points race uh, postseason in Argentina. Um, and then Mark Miles made a little statement. He was talking about mm-hmm. a high-profile event they're looking at. Uh, that he says uh, we're kind of close to it, but I can't tell you what it is yet. So, uh, you know, a high-profile event. My my guess uh, is it's going to be a, a street race somewhere. Uh, I would I would you know imagine that you know it's not going to be Baltimore. Oh. Baltimore, Baltimore. <laughs> they, they had a pretty good race there for a couple of years. I mean, if you want to see what an Indy car looks like going over train tracks, and <laughs> that, yeah. there, there's the place right there. That was a good one. Or if you want to see a, a Indy car, what it looks like going through the air, that was uh, where was that San Jose? They had they had a little bump in the course that would launch the cars. So, uh, yeah, I don't I don't know don't know where they're looking, but I think they were because he he mentioned you know NASCAR in Chicago and Formula One in Vegas. So obviously, I mean, this tells me they're looking at a street race somewhere. But all street races, I believe it when I see it. Um, you know, and I said that about. Chicago until the day the NASCAR cars were on a track, and instead that about Vegas till the day they were on a track. Uh, there's so much legal red tape, bureaucrats, uh, NIMBYs, and all kind of stuff to deal with to get a street race put on. And then even once once you get it going, the 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 history of them lasting a long time uh, are few and far between. So, but I mean, if they, they get some eyes on the sport, get some get some good money there, yeah, we'll see. So. Um, otherwise, in IndyCar, a couple of seats up in the air still. You've got uh, AJ Foyt's, uh, uh, the, the one car is open. Um, I think Ben Peterson is returning the, in the uh, 14. The other seat's open. Ferrucci's still in the frame for that, but uh, Kylum, Callum Eilat's name is being bounced around, and the two Dale Coin cars are yet to be uh, announced. Um, Grosjean was announced that he's going to Hugo's Hollister. Uh, Hollinger to replace uh, Callum Eilat, so which uh, gets Callum out of an uncomfortable situation there. I think that kind of uh, the relations started well and it deteriorated uh, towards the end there. Um, I really don't think they did a a good job of uh, supporting him uh, when the Argentinian fans were uh, just lambasting him on social media. So, um, but if I mean, if Eilat ends up with Foyt, you know, Foyt is now Penske's driver development team. That's kind of a good situation to be able to have some some eyes on them uh, from people at Penske who put together pretty good cars. So, Richard, what do you think? Uh, what were some of the other big stories in IndyCar that caught your eye this year? Big stories in IndyCar. I mean... I- I'm still pissed that they they made the 500 get green with one lap to go, but yeah. I still think that was yeah, that was. I mean, all the new guard fans think it was great, but I I, I still think that's highly unprecedented and and hardly safe, but uh, but they did it. Yeah, I, I think you know you look at for me the biggest takeaway from Indy was it a surprise? Was it a shock? I don't know. Uh, it, it was the struggle of, by Penske. I mean, they still had drivers who were competitive and up there, but you look at Penske and you do really do expect them to be winning championships with the driver lineup they've got. Mm-hmm. And to, I say not struggle, but but not have that cutting edge that you expect from a Roger Penske organisation. 
um, you know, something was missing, I think, in that organisation this year. And um, you can say the same for Andretti, you know. Yeah, Andretti's um, been something been missing for a couple of years. Yeah, I think we all know what that is. Um, and it goes back again, you know, and again, this isn't a surprise. This is just maybe an overall reflection of it. The methodology and diligence that Ganassi shows year in, year out. They're not a flashy team. They're not a, you know, banging the fist on the table, look at us, aren't we an amazing team? They just do their thing and do it bloody well and mm-hmm. go out there, get results, get wins. You know, they they don't go out and sign the big-name drivers. They sign the drivers that fit in with their... Um, DNA, you know, and, and, and partly a lot of that DNA has been moulded by Scott Dixon over the last 21 years, as you mentioned, Frank. And the, the, the founder, you know, heir apparent to that in, in Pelot, who just goes out there, does his, you know, does his work, does his, you know, if he could win his championship by a point, he'll take it. You know, he, he knows, he calculates, he... A bit like the Alan Prost of, of IndyCar in a way. Yeah. Scott Dixon mm-hmm. was the same. You know, and, and I think it's 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 refreshing to see, you know, rather than the you know, the but again, you know n- n- not taking this in a negative way, no criticism of the guy because he's infinitely better at driving a car than I am. But the Colton Herter methodology, if you listen to people talk about Colton Herter or l- listen to people around the Andretti team talk about Colton Herter or certain people talk about it, you think he'd be a 27-time champion or something by now, the way they go yeah. about him. The guys won a handful of races, and very, very well, crashed out of more leads than races he's won, um, tried to, you know, and then the rest of it, you know, I hate that sort of stuff. You know, it's it, it's like the it's like the NFL players or the quarterback who walks around, thinks is the greatest thing ever, and, throws six interceptions in the game, but still tells everybody how great he is in the press conference. You know, let your, let your driving do the talking. And Ganassi have got that down to an art, and I, I love it. And long may that continue. Yeah, you can say the same about uh, Newgarden. I mean, I, you know, mind you, Newgarden does have two championships in the bag. But if you look at what cost him this year, uh, it was his own mistakes. Yeah. You know, he was, instead, no, yeah. of, instead of just saying, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to settle for third today or settle for fourth today. I get a good points yeah. by finish and push it too hard and end up making a mistake. And, you know, yeah, more than so more, much more than from that. And he dropped all the way to fifth in the final standings and his teammate, mm-hmm. and, you know, McLaughlin, he did the best of the uh, the new guy. Fansky McLaughlin did the best of the three drivers there. Um, finished third yeah. in the championship, uh, you know, and uh, won a race this year. And then, of course, Will Power, who's coming off a championship season, Last year, is kind of noticeably absent. This year, he's yeah. like nowhere to be seen. Uh, you know, I don't think he even finished in the top six in the championship. Yep. So yep. So uh, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how Penske comes back from that. But it'll be more interesting to see how Ganassi handles running five cars out of their stable. Well, now. yeah. I mean, yeah. that's that's a monumental undertaking right there, right? Now, mind but you, I think with that, as we mentioned, with that mentality that they have, yeah, I think it'd be far easier for them to do that. You know, you look at, you know, again, we, we compare it to, but, you know, we, I don't know the ins and outs and workings of the Pentagon as Pentagon organization, but 
with Will Power, Joseph Newgarden, and Scott McLaughlin. They've got three pretty big superstars. You know, absolutely, yeah. And how do you, as not Roger, obviously, but Tim Sendrick, for example, how do you handle those egos? You know, I don't think there's any egos at Ganassi. You know, I, 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 I and I may be wrong here. You know, I could quite easily see the you know, engineering debriefs are far more constructive at a team like Ganassi than there are Penske. Um, I say I may be wrong, and if I am, you know, I apologize. But you know, they go out there, they do their thing. You know, the Ganassi group, an organization led by Chip and the, the people he has around him, are instilled to make the team the best team possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, you still obviously want to win. You know, in any form of motorsport, the most important person to beat is your teammate. But you still do what you need to do to develop that team and get better because. The only way you're going to be better is if the next, you know, everybody on the team is better. And and I think that I think that Ganassi has, from the outside anyway, appears to have that mentality in a more of constructive way than than some of the other teams that have struggled with, you know, larger fields like Andretti and Ganassi and sorry Penske in the past. So I think the mentality of the team there will certainly suit them better moving forward. Yeah, yeah, but but at the same time, you've got to look at. I mean, Ganassi has run three and run four before, but they've never had more than two cars winning uh, other than the, the one odd fluke uh, where Charlie Kimball, yeah. Charlie Kimball won a well, race in 2013. You yeah, limit so. your number of super superstars. You put right, guys right. in there that will go out, do a job, get your data, support your teammates, you know, play the part and, and settle for finishing 10th in the championship because they know that's their level. They know that's where they, they sit and they know what their job is. They don't go and try out and be, you know, you look at all the three Penske drivers, they all expect to win races. And if they don't win a race, they're going to be pissed off. Well, if you finish second to your teammate, should you be pissed off? Yeah, internally you are, but that shouldn't elect, shouldn't affect the team as a whole. Right. All right. So, uh, Lee, what was your what was your take on the IndyCars? You know, this is your first year kind of really paying attention to IndyCar, so... And then we'll uh, so we got about uh, ten minutes left to discuss uh, stock cars. It was very as my first season watching IndyCar from uh, a reporter standpoint. It was very educational and interesting. Um, I learned a lot this year. I don't. It it was it was nice because I, you know I don't have anything to compare it to. So this is really a good baseline for me this year as far as following IndyCar. Um, it was it was a it was a good season, I thought. Um, you know, like the Indy thing. I, uh, you said you were really disappointed that it, it was you know one lap left, you know, with the green with a green with a green flag on the last lap. I, as a as a person as a reporter, that is totally foreign to me. So that was a good to see, to, no, honestly, to see stuff like that, because I'm like, why is this so important? But then to hear why it was so important or it was so, you know, it wasn't the right move to do. That was super educational for me. Um, so I think, you know, looking back at it, I think it was a great baseline season for me. And I'm looking forward to seeing what I learned this year. And I'm going to put it against next season and see how, how much, see if I become any better, uh, as a not just a fan, but as a reporter for for IndyCar. All right, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. All right, good stuff, Lee. So, uh, yeah, twenty twenty four season starts in March. 
Uh, there'll be some testing in February, and we'll uh, begin the hybrid area uh, era in IndyCar. See how all that goes, provided uh, that we don't have a setback um, because we were supposed to have these things like two years ago, from what I recall. Uh, so, um, but uh, they've been they've been testing those things, and uh, evidently they uh, there's a few concerns but uh they got some time to work on it so uh we'll uh re- we'll catch up with indycar again in march so uh nascar um ryan blaney won the cup championship um bit of a surprise there uh, i mean blaney's always been um you know a, a contender uh competent done, yep competent but um yeah i'm not sure that anybody uh, went into this season or even through the, the mid-season would have picked him as being the cup champion uh and yet here we are um, and, and that's, uh, you know, a symptom of how the playoffs are structured. Uh, you know, it's in the same, you know, same fashion that like, like Richard, I think you said all the, you know, teams that uh, did well during the regular season were nowhere near the world series. So, mm-hmm. you know, so same kind of thing there. <laughs> so, uh, congratulations to, uh, team Penske and to Ryan Blaney. And as we go into next year, we've got uh, a couple different, um, the manufacturers are, uh, Got new uh, body styles. Keith, you have that uh, photo of the new Toyota? The new Camry? <laughs> All right. So, uh, so Richard, I mean, you guys are testing yeah. us now. So, uh, I mean, yeah. uh, what's, what's, the, what's the vibe out of Toyota, man? How are you guys feeling about the, uh, the new body style? Yeah, so make its, it's, track test, uh, its track test debut next week in Phoenix um, with the uh, Jacobs Racing and the uh, Legacy. Motor Club uh, cars. Um, I mean, this isn't like a Formula One car launch. This isn't like a, you know, a, a body style that's going to provide um, enha- massive enhancements in performance. Uh, my um, understanding of the of how NASCAR regulations work is NASCAR has a a body. Um, and back in a few years ago, it used to be a, an old Dodge body that was like the gold standard for aero. And any car that a manufacturer produced, you know, Toyota, Chevy, Ford, had to fit within a certain window of aerodynamic performance around that Dodge body. Um, and of course, there's new things, you know, high, you know, big split of small, or sorry, big, big. Um, uh, you know, the splitters have changed a lot with the current generation cars. The rear spoilers have changed. They've now got rear diffusers. So how these cars go about generating downforce and performances is very different. So as I say, that may have changed recently with the current generation of body. But we're not going to suddenly find, you know, lap times with this body work, I don't think. Um, it It's more for running in a window of performance and allowing – the marketing tools to to closely match the street car. You know, this car is styled uh, on the 2025 Toyota Camry road car that you will be able to buy next year, uh, which will replace the existing Camry, which the existing um, Toyota body is based on. Um, so it's, it's more of a marketing tool than a performance tool. Yeah, we will, you know, look at all the aero modeling and the CFD work and find areas that, you know, maybe aren't as efficient and, it could be tidied up and we'll go through the motions and the processes of doing that. But yeah, fundamentally you're not going to see, <laughs> I say it's not like a new front wing or rear wing design in Formula One that's going to suddenly 
gain you a quarter of a second a lap. That's, <laughs> excuse me. NASCAR worked very, very hard excuse me, to avoid that from happening. Yeah. Um, so it's more of a, you know, just polishing the product rather than outright revolution. Um, and yeah, hopefully we'll get some good data, um, you know, on that in a couple of weeks or sorry, next week. You know, it's been in the wind tunnel and through CFD for a long, long time and collected some great data there. So, yeah, uh, you know, Ford have already had a new body this year. I I don't know what Chevy's plans are if they're waiting another year. Um, But, uh, you know, I think Chevy's Chevy's coming back with the uh, the Camaro this year and then 2025 there. They've got some plan. But uh, but yeah, so both Ford and Toyota are going to have something that looks a little different on the track just next year. Yeah. And. But the time you put a wrap on it and sponsors logos, you're not still, really going to know. Ass, still looks like an ass car, you know? So. Exactly. Exactly. So. All right. So um, <coughs> I, I, the other the big stories in NASCAR this year, I think it's like utterly the, uh, you know, half half of the uh, Hendrick team seemed to uh, disappear, you know? Um, you hmm. know, a lot, a lot of people would have, kind of picked uh, Chase Elliott as early championship favorite. And then yet, I mean, despite the injuries and suspensions that caused him to, to win races when the races he was in, uh, he, he just wasn't there uh, while no. his uh, teammate Byron uh, was looking every bit of potential champion all year long. And, and Larson of course is a perennial winner in this, in this, in the series, but I've got to overall, it kind of called this season a bit of a failure for them. Uh, I mean, other than, yeah. other than other than Byron, but uh, you know, by their standards, um, yeah, they they fell short. So uh, and and these yeah, are- it, it wasn't as in, I mean, obviously, you look at there are some caveats and probably you know an asterisk you know put, putting next to Bowman and Elliott, they both missed right a number of races for injuries. So it wasn't purely performance based, um, although. It's one of those difficult things, isn't it? You know, these guys are so good. You want them back in a car as soon as possible. But, you know, did, did they bring Chase back too early from after his breaking his leg or Byron when he fractures his back? You know, I'm sure if you ask them, they'll say, no, 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 I was ready to go. But sometimes, you, you know, if you'd waited two more weeks when you've actually got more out of them in the long yeah. run of the season mm-hmm. than bringing somebody back. Because, you know, I've, I, you know, we've all, I'm sure, you know, had had injuries in the sporting context. I know I have that you think, oh, I can do it, I can do it, I can do it. And the discipline involved to turn around and say, no, one more week or two more weeks is really hard um, because you don't always see the long-term, you know, damage to it. And, you know, you look at, um, I think that was certainly the case of Chase Elliott's um, circumstance. You know, he lost yeah, he that did, rhythm, yeah, lost yeah, that he, confidence. He, yeah, he did mention he just wasn't how, much the pain he was, how much pain he was in uh, after one of the races yeah. there. So uh, I think even he kind of realizes that he, he tried probably push it and come back too soon. So, but yeah. uh, he's got the whole off season to uh, recuperate and, and come back uh, stronger for next I mean, year. Sh- so. I think he had shoulder surgery recently. Uh, yeah, I believe um, so. Yeah. As a yeah. guy's a mess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. And, yeah, uh, but he'll be, I think he'll be back stronger than ever next year. You know, yeah, um, the other, the guy I'm still kind of wondering about is um, Simon Pagano. Yeah, here's here's a guy that was. Will he be back next week? Well, yeah, I think we'll be back next week. And then we now I uh, haven't heard a thing. Uh, you know, he's he's yeah. not 
on the side down to the grid for next year at all. So I don't know if uh, uh, he hasn't come out and announced that he's retiring, but his name is not in the frame for any rides in IndyCar. I mean, this doesn't mean that uh, he may not pop up in sports cars or something or, uh, you know, but uh, he's just been awful quiet uh, lately. So I, I think his recovery is not going as quickly as he would like it to. You know, so uh, and again, these these sort of head injury kind of things, you got to be real, real careful about, you know, you don't want to you don't want to be a Neil Bonnet and doctor told me never to race again, but I'm going to go ahead and do it. You know, oh, God, uh, no. that's a true story. Yeah. So Neil Bonnet, yeah, remember him? Yeah. He yep. uh, doctors told him never to race again. If you have one more one more big hit could kill you. Yeah, right. Well, who was right? Doctors. <laughs> exactly that. Yeah. Yep. Yep. All right, we've got two minutes left. So I was going to go look through our bold predictions from last year. And then I remembered, <laughs> then I remembered, um, if you recall last year, our season ending show, we actually had uh, author Mark Dill on the show uh, promoting his, uh, the children's version of his book, uh, Leg- Legend of the Super Speedway. And then yep. right, right when we went off the air, uh, and I said goodnight to everybody. Uh, and then I said to you guys, oh shit, we forgot to do bold predictions. So everybody's off the hook for not getting your prediction is this, <laughs> you know, so, uh, because I, I know Lee, you were going to predict that Chase Elliott would win a dozen races and the cup. Um, <laughs> so, and, uh, Rich, Richard, you were going to predict that Max Verstappen's era of domination was over and, uh, that, um, that Logan Sargent was going to win five races. So, um, all right. So Lee, give me one, so bold, one bold so prediction close. for 2024. One bold prediction for 2024. Yep, huh. can be, it can um, be any any racing series or um, women's elite eight basketball if you like. Since, uh, <laughs> women's elite eight basketball, I'm actually going to say Max Verstappen next year is going to is going to miss the podium by in by four times. That's going to be my that's going to be my prediction. He's not going to he's not going to podium in four different races next year. Okay, all right, yeah. Richard, Richard. Ooh, bold predictions. Let's go. Ooh, um, what's yours, Frank? Give me a minute. Give me a minute. Oh, uh, what's <laughs> mine? I, you know, I, I'm going to say that um, my bold prediction is that uh, in IndyCar and in Formula One, McLaren uh, makes a run at the championship and is in contention for both those championships. That's pretty bold. I like it. Gotta be bold, man. You know, hey, one year I got the bold prediction right. I said if Takuma Sato signs with Andretti, he'll win the Indy 500. And guess what the hell happened? He did. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to go Formula One. There will be two first time race winners. All right. So Lando Norris. Tempted to go for three. But I think we'll stick with two. Say Lando Norris and uh, who else would you? Who else would you put in there? Hmm. I put Piastri in there. Piastri. I'm not, sure. I'm not counting his sprint win. Not counting his sprint win. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, you look at it. Gasly's won a race. Ocon's won a race. Yeah. Um, yeah. Le- you know, Leclerc's Leclerc's won races. Sainz yeah, won races. Sainz has won so. races. Um, but yeah, I think I, I, I go for two two. New race winners. 
Because every now and again, you have that odd race that just out of nowhere yeah, do, that's yeah. affected by rain or something like that, which is yeah. kind of how Ocon and Gasly got their wins. They were just some oddball mm-hmm. races that they happened to be right place, right time, and hold their yep. car together when other guys couldn't. So, all right. Yep. Two and new I also race winners say that one. That's what I think. Let's go for one more. Do we go say Leclerc wins the championship? That's bold. Yeah, Leclerc, finishes, Leclerc finishes second in the championship. Though. Max wins, but Leclerc pushes him. That's less bold, right? So Perez disappears. Perez gets fired mid-season. Yeah. That's Ricardo not really bold. That's him. Not, <laughs> yeah. not really bold, right? So <laughs> all right. So anyway, listen, um, it's been a wonderful 2023 season. I'd like oh, yeah. to uh uh, wish all you guys happy holidays. And tonight we were on Tuesday instead of Wednesday. Do you want to know why? Because Keith wants to watch the new Godzilla movie tomorrow. So if you're not doing anything tomorrow, go watch the new Godzilla movie. Maybe run into Keith at the movie theater if you're up in the New England area. So, but anyway, let me thank uh, you, Lee. Thank you, Richard. Thank you, Keith Hayes and Sinister One Productions. Thank you, Who's the Radio Network, Alzheimer's Association, Ferrari movie, uh, Luis Torres. Um, Motorsport, uh, Facebook, Facebook Live, YouTube, and Spotify. Uh, but thank you, everybody else. We'll be back on the air in roughly sometime in February, right around uh, Daytona Speed Week's time. So, uh, again, happy holidays, everybody. Happy New Year 2024 when it comes around. And uh, we'll talk to you in a couple of months. Until then, good night. Thanks for watching Draft in the Circuits. Make sure to follow Draft in the Circuits on Facebook, Spotify, Twitter, and YouTube. Draft in the Circuits is a Coke Sinister One production.